Hello? I, um, first of all, I want to um, thank Pastor Christian for allowing us to come and minister to your people. Your people are beautiful. Let me tell you, when you guys were um, worshiping, I felt like this, this, this is what heaven looks like. And uh, um, uh, it is really our honor and privilege to be able to be part of your community here. I've heard great things about New Philly, even in California, what God is doing in it. And to be able to see it, witness it, and hopefully take some of this home with me is a privilege. And I just want to say thank you for allowing us to come and share God's love and God's word with your people. And all your staff have been so wonderful. They've been so friendly. And I know he's been very busy and the team been very busy with the college retreat, but you know he picks up, picked us up and took us around and fed us, and I made a good friend. <laughs> There's a lot of things actually about uh, uh, Pastor Christian and I. We have a lot of things in common. Uh, number one, we're both losing hair, so uh, <laughs> that uh, I noticed that right away. And um, but but it's okay, it's okay, because God told me when I go to heaven, He's going to give me more hair, so I'm okay with that, you know. And compared to how much I'm going to live here, 70 years for eternity, I'd rather have more up there. So, uh, and, and and not only that, we both have beautiful wives, so I noticed that too. And we're both apple lovers, you know. Uh, uh, too, I mean, we're we're pretty much borderline cult, but you know, uh, we we uh, we love apple. And um, and I, another thing I noticed is that we both love our church and our people. And uh, so um, I, it is a privilege to know your pastor and your people here. So how's everyone doing? I, I, uh, they told me I could go two hours today, so uh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm not going to go two hours. Um, I don't think I could physically last two hours, you know. Uh, we're actually, like Pastor uh, Christian said, we're actually on our way to China. And the only reason why I'm here is because, uh, you know, David, who is now have joined our staff, is going to be spending three months in China. And he has never been there. Uh, so I felt like, hey, David, I want to actually go and introduce you. So I'm spending a whole week to go to uh, China with him. And, and, and I love China. How many of you guys have been to China? I love uh, the country. I love China. I love the people there. And um, um, so I've been to China about, this is my third time going. But last year, I actually felt God calling me to take a team to China. Now, um, I know if you work with uh, Pastor Christian, you understand sometimes God calls you to do certain things, but you don't know how it's going to be done. And that was the situation with China. I, know, I knew God wanted me to take some team to China, but uh, number one, I had no contact. Uh, number two, uh, I didn't know anyone in China. Uh, and I don't know anyone who knew people in China. And, um, so, but we were going to go to China. Um, but not only that, there were many roadblocks for us to go to China because last year there was SARS epidemic. So, so we finally got a contact to go to China and we were going to teach English to a, a Christian school and, and we were very excited. So we got a team together. But right before we were to, about to buy our ticket, the school had to close down because of SARS epidemic. So he, in fact, I know a lot of Campus Crusade, all those organizations that were going to go to China next year, last year, they all stop their travel. In fact, our travel agent says, we recommend you do not go. In fact, United States Embassy said, we do not recommend anyone from America to travel to China. But let me tell you, when God puts a calling on your life, 
You don't have, you know, it doesn't matter who, who people, whoever tells you not to do something, you're going to do it. You know, so, so, you know, we got together, we're all talking, you know, we're debating logically if it is wise for us to go or not go. We're all saying, well, maybe this year we should stop. And I said, no, we're going to go. Because God has called us to go. You know, so, so they said, well, do you know anyone in China? He goes, no. <laughs> but I have good news. 90% of Christian organization that was going to go to China is not going to go. That means more fruit for us. That means more opportunity for us. We don't know anyone in China, but we're going to go. So they said, well, Pastor James, if you say we're going to go, we will go. Said, yes, we're going to go. And I, I, inside my heart, it's like, help me, Jesus. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying in my heart, because I'm going to take about 15, I don't know, 15 of us. We're going to go to China. And I didn't know anyone in China. But praise God, with God's time, we bought the ticket. And about two weeks before we were to go to China, someone introduced us to a missionary in China. That's amazing, right? So in fact, gave us a phone number. I called China talk to the person, say, hey, we're going to come. And they said, oh, really? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of SARS epidemic. They don't like Americans coming into China right now. So, well, it doesn't matter. God told us we have to go. And suddenly they said, okay, we welcome you. Come. So this is how our, we, we met the contact. That we, we don't know anything about them. We don't know, you know, we, we don't know what kind of organization they are. We just knew that we had to go. So we talked to the, to the missionary uh, about two weeks before we were to go to China. And finally the day came. And we got on our plane and went to China. And it was like, it was crazy with the SARS epidemic. I don't know if you guys actually traveled to China that year. But I'm, everyone's wearing masks and everyone had to get temperature. If there's one person in that whole plane gets, has a fever, the whole plane is quarantined for two weeks. For two weeks, they have to just stay at... That, that one, and we're gonna, we only had a ticket for two weeks. So if we, if anyone was sick in that plane, basically we flew to China, stayed in some small room, quarantined for two weeks, and come back. That's what our mission trip would have looked like. So we were praying, Lord God, may no one be sick in this plane. And praise God, no one was sick. So, so we landed, and there's a lot of complication, you know, uh, the, it was foggy, so they had to go to a different airport, and we had to stay there for five hours, and they would not let us get out of the plane, because they don't want anyone who possibly could have SARS to get into that plane. That, that. So we were stuck there for five hours with no air conditioner, and finally everything got fixed. We landed in China, and when we landed in China, I realized something. I said, oh my goodness, I don't even know what he looks like. I have no idea the guy who was supposed to pick us up, if he even going to pick us up. I gave him our, our information, but I had no idea. So first thing, you know, obviously, as the senior pastor, I'm concerned about my people. So the first thing, when I got there, my first agenda was, is to go out and look for this man. And I asked myself, do you know what he looks like? No, but I'm going to look for this man. <laughs> and I was hoping that somebody would be out there holding a sign that says, welcome to China, James, you know. So that's what I was hoping, because, you know, obviously, we both don't know what we look like. So we landed in China, I, 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 and I told the team, hey, get the bag together, but I'm going to go out first to see if I could find this man named Jabez. That was his name. So I, I went out there, and as soon as I walked out, I looked outside, and there was about 50 people waiting for their loved ones and friends and family to come and meet them outside at the airport. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, who could it be? So I imagine, okay, did he, did he sound fat? Did he sound skinny? Did he sound tall? You know, I'm imagining what, what this man could look like. I had no idea. And, and, and I don't know why he wasn't thinking, but there was no sign that said, welcome to China, James Lee. So for five minutes, I'm looking at every single person trying to make eye contact to see who it was, who, who, who is waiting for me there. And, and, and finally, 
I made eye contact with this man. And as soon as this, saw, this man saw me, you know what he did? He put his two hands together. He made a cross. Because we all know in China, it is illegal to worship God. So as soon as we saw each other, he made the cross. And I made the cross too. <laughs> and let me tell you, as soon as I, we, we made the cross, we were best friends. Huh? Right? I, you know, I met Christian for the first time, but let me tell you, he's my best friend. It's not because we don't have hair. It's not because we have beautiful wives. It's not because we love our church. It's because we have the cross. It is the cross that unites us. You know, it is the cross. I don't even know some of your people's names, but you're my best friend. Because of the, it's the cross that unites us. But man, I mean, t- let me tell you, God did some amazing things while we were in China. We baptized people in the rivers of China. But it wasn't always good things. Bad things happened too. Like, like one time, a police was chasing after us. And it was a crazy story. So, so they, they housed us in a hotel. And we had to, de- there was 15 of us, and they said, well, that's too many. We had to split up people in four teams. You know, so four of us just split, and we just went all over. The- One people went to the countryside, drove for two hours. We just had to split and hope that we would reunite again after two weeks. And one team that was split in the countryside, they were housed in, in, in one of those hotels. But that night, you know, they went, they went back to the hotel. And they said, well, let's wake up at 9 o'clock so we can practice. We are so, and get our schedule together. And, and let's just take a nap because it was a tiring day. So they went to sleep. But that night, the police came over to arrest these kids. But here's an amazing story. That night, God put them to sleep. Because the police came and knocked on their door to say, open the door, open the door. And they were banging on the door, but none of our people were woken up by that. I'm not joking. But there were, we were in two different rooms, and they knocked on both of them. Both of the four, there was eight of us, didn't even hear the door knock. We woke up at 10 o'clock, and we were so upset, we slept in. Oh my goodness, you know, we, we can't believe we slept in. At 10.30, our missionary comes and knocks on the door, and we open it and says, get your back together. We had to get our backs together so quick that some of us had to leave stuff behind. And we got out, and later we found out that the police came to that hotel to, to question us. And since we didn't open the door, went to the front desk to get the key. And here's a wild thing. Not even a Christian, but the lady there said, just leave them alone. They're just kids. Gave them a couple cigarettes, and they went. So we were like, oh, my goodness. So we text, I text Tom. I said, pray for us. We landed safe. The police is after us. (laughs) (laughs) And we put, oh, by the way, but thank God, God put us in deep sleep. (laughs) So... So back home, you know, I text one of the pastors, and they're like, what does this mean? You know? So they immediately called this emergency prayer meeting. We got to pray for our pastor and the team because God put them in deep sleep, you know. So uh, it was like an amazing journey. So I'm really excited for our, my friend David to go to China and, uh, and just do ministry there. And I'm excited to go back. And now I know what they look like, so I'm able to see them and hug them. And I'm just... I'm so excited to be able to be part of David's life, to be able to come here and to go to China. But man, this is, this is like dessert for us, to be part of this church. 
and to share God's word with you guys. And before I go into God's word, let me tell you a little bit about myself so that, you know, you get to know me a little bit. So when we hear God's word, you know, hopefully you accept it better. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, I grew up in Korea, actually, and I came to America when I was six years old. And I grew up in Wisconsin, which is near Chicago. Um, Then I I moved to Las Vegas. And when I moved to Las Vegas, um, my parents wasn't very wealthy, so we lived in one of those projects. So by the time I was in fifth grade, I was already doing drugs and alcohol. And by the time I was in sixth grade, I was addicted to alcohol and drugs. And by by the time I was in junior high school, uh, because I was so addicted to drugs, the teachers just pretty much passed me along. And even by the time I was 11th grade, I barely knew how to read and write. And it's funny because um, I, 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 really, I don't speak Korean. Uh, I, I speak a little bit, very little bit. But uh, everyone in my church who first time visits us thinks I'm a foreign exchange student because my English is so bad. But I tell them, no, my English is good. It's my, my, my first language. But, but, but actually, my English is so bad because I, I, I don't know the basics of English. Because I didn't learn how to read and write until I was a senior in high school and I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I did drugs. I sold drugs. I hurt people, like you said. I was, I was a bad person. Um, and I, I find it humorous that God would use someone like me who barely had a high school degree to teach these students who go to Berkeley, one of the top schools in Northern California. <laughs> and, and I laugh about it all the time. You know? And God is so good. And God has been amazingly, wonderfully... So that's not even correct way to say English, right? God has been so amazing and wonderful in my life, in my church. Um, you know, I planted a church about seven years ago, and, and when we first planted, we had nothing. You know, we, my wife and I, we were living in welfare. We had no money. I remember working at a custodian just to, you know, start this church. We started with three people, and, and I remember just trying to do church, but yet work at the same time. You know, you know how hard it is to work full-time as a custodian, as a janitor at night and try to do ministry at the same time and start a church? It was the toughest time of my life. You know, it was barely enough to bring, feed my family, pay rent. I mean, we were struggling financially. It was a very, very tough time. And one day I was praying to God. I said, Lord, I don't know how, mu- how much I can do this. It is tiring. It is hard. And when I was praying, and God began to speak to me and said, take pictures. What does that mean? <laughs> Go take picture. I said, but God, I don't know how to take pictures. I don't even own a camera. You know? But the God said, Go take pictures. So I went and bought, I don't know if you have Craigslist here. I, I, you know, I bought, bought a used, cheap camera. And I started to take pictures. You know, God is amazing because I, I knew nothing about photography. I, I, I didn't even know how to hold the camera. I didn't even know what buttons did what. I didn't know what S stand for. I, I, I didn't know none of these things. But God told me to do this. And by my second year of taking photography, I was voted top 10 national best photographer by WPJA. Wow. I know. <laughs> I, I still don't know how to take pictures. I get these I get these random emails and I'm not making any of these up. I get these random emails saying, I just saw your ranking and is it okay if I just shadow you? You don't even have to pay me. I just want to follow you and you can use me as a free service and you know I'll just I'll just can I just please follow you? And I was like, 
Okay, free labor, sure, come. You know, and, and these people who's been studying photography for years would follow and shadow me. You know, and one day, like, they're saying, you know, hey, James, what do you think? With this lighting, do you think we should go, like, half stop before, behind? Because the lighting is not reflecting upon this. And I, like, I concur. That sounds pretty good. Let's do it. Let's do it. You go do your thing, okay? And I was like, oh. So, I mean, it's been an amazing journey, you know. And God has taken this, this, this. I've been in ministry for 25 years. I knew nothing. I know nothing about Anything except God's word, you know. So, so here am I, you know, I was in pastoral position for about 15 years before I planted my church. Then I was a janitor. And then now make, I was living in a welfare, just doing janitorial work and, you know, collecting welfare and just barely living. And God told me two simple words, or yeah, two simple words, take picture, you know. And then here am I now becoming photographer, top 10 national best photographer and going from making nothing to making millions of dollars. And, 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 and not only that, but I find myself, I bought a house for like $1.5 million. And, I mean, I came from making nothing and, and, and bought myself like $60,000, $70,000 car, bought my wife $70,000 car, and we were living in luxury. Yeah, there you go, take picture. <laughs> She's like, go take picture, go take picture. You know, um, so um, people were paying me like literally... $5,000 to fly over to their place to take picture for one day. And, um, but let me tell you what happens when God blesses you. We, def- we often take the blessing and it becomes a curse. Uh, we've, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, did a, I did a series on worship and I learned that the word worship comes from the, uh, the Latin word for uh, worth and shape. And what it literally means to worship is, is to say that what you find worth shapes you. So when we worship God, we find worth in Him, and therefore we are shaped, just like what David said in his testimony. But let me tell you what my worth has turned into was money. You know, I was making so much money, living in a luxury house, and to keep that up, I found myself working harder and harder. There are times when I would go without seeing my kids for a month, because I would, they'll be, they'll be at school, and I will wake up after school, and I'll come home when they're asleep, and I, and it was overtaking me, and said, God, I just can't do this, and but God, God just said, No, you can't. I'm going to take it away. So, so we felt like we need to head back to where we were. My passion is God. My passion is my people. So we got rid of our house. And hopefully, pretty soon, I'm figuring out a way to get rid of my car. You know, I'm debt-free. You know, I get rid of my wife's car somehow. You know, because she loves her car. And, but it's hard to get rid of a car without killing your credit, too. So, you know, I'm like, what do I do? So I, now I am back into square zero. I don't have anything. I, I live by whatever God provides that month. You know, and it, it's a journey. God has taken me this journey from... Like poverty to wealth to back to poverty, and um, God is good. Yeah. And uh, and no matter where you are right now, no matter what's going on in your life, God is good. And today I want to talk about the glory of God. Hmm. I want to talk about what it means to have the glory of God. What, what does the glory of God looks like? And let's let's look at God's word in Isaiah chapter six, verse one through eight. Isaiah chapter six, verse one through eight. 
A very famous passage, I'm sure everyone knows. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost, the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the stairs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he has taken with the tongue of the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See? This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Hmm. We all want to encounter God. We all want the glory of the Lord to fall upon this house. We all want the glory of the Lord to fall upon my business, my home, my family. We want to experience the glory of God. Amen? Amen. We all want this. But what does it mean? And let me tell you what, what, what it means to have the glory of God and to encounter God in your personal life, in this church, in your work, in your family, in your school. Because it is my desire, my hope that you experience the glory of God. And what does it mean? There are three things I realized when I was reading this text. Is that when the glory of God comes into your life, there's an earthquake. Not only is there a God quake, but there is self quake. But not only is there a God quake, there's self quake, and then there's a world quake. So this is what it means to encounter God. Let's let's look at these three things. Today I want to look at Isaiah. He comes into the temple of God. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. And it says in verse 3, in, in this, the glory of the Lord, the whole earth was full of His glory. Now, now the word glory in Hebrew literally means weight. The word glory literally means weight. Now, how many of you guys felt that when we were worshiping today? You felt the glory of the Lord coming and it felt heavy. It felt like, ah, oh, it's coming down. I feel it. It's heavy. Because the word glory in Hebrew literally means weight. And we even use that in our English word. When something is important, what do we say? It matters. It matters. It has weight to it. So when we say the glory of the Lord comes into this room, when we say the glory of the Lord filled this house, what we're saying is the weight of the Lord is upon me. Hmm, you guys understand what I mean by that, right? The weight of the Lord is upon me. Now, now let's look at this in a uh, uh, physical world. You see, let's say if I had a bowling ball. And the bowling ball is heavier than water. And if I had to throw this bowling ball into the water, what happens to the water? There's what? Water quake. <laughs> or if I were to take this bowling ball, which is heavier than this thin ice, and if I were to drop this bowling ball upon this thin ice, what's going to happen to that ice? There's going to be an ice quake. <laughs> you see, what? when the glory of the Lord comes upon your life, What you're saying is that God weighs more than me. 
And the glory of the Lord is so heavy. The glory of the Lord is so heavy. See, see, I don't know if there's earthquake in Korea, but I live in a San Francisco area where there's earthquake. You know, and I remember in 1980, I forgot, 1980, 10, what was it exactly? In 19, 1989, there was a huge earthquake that hit San Francisco area. Do you guys ever, do you guys heard about that? Man, bridges fell down. I, I was right there at the Epic Center where it happened. I was in Bible college. I was literally 10 miles away from the center of that earthquake. And I've never felt earthquake before until I felt it that day. Let me tell you, I was studying the whole Building begins to shape. Alarm, car alarm begin to ring. Things begin to fall off the, the, the bookshelf. And let me tell you, everything was moving. You, you see, what, what the scripture is saying is if you really experience the glory of the Lord, your whole life is shattered. Your whole life is moved. The furniture gets rearranged. You see, see, the furniture begins to move. The things begin to fall down. And when the glory of the Lord comes into your life, the weight of God's glory. Oh, you never live the same. Amen? Amen. In fact, when you look at the scripture, whenever God comes down, in like Exodus chapter 19, Acts chapter 2, there's an earthquake. It's a symbolic of God's weightiness. It's a symbolic of God's substance. It's a symbolic of God's eternal weight. And what you're saying is that when you come... When you come to the house of God, when you experience the weight and the glory of God, your life is not the same. I said earlier that um, I gave up my house because I found out there are things that is more important than money. Something that weighs more important than my house. I didn't realize it back then because I wasn't a good husband or a good father sometimes because I was so into my church, into my work. Then one day, my wife comes up to me and said, Honey, I have rash on my arm. I said, Well, let's go to the hospital and check it out. So they did a biopsy on my wife's arm. I get a phone call a month later. I said, Hello, and it was a Kaiser Hospital. And said, Mr. Lee, um, I need you to bring your wife uh, to Kaiser right away. I said, okay, what, what, what's, what's, what's going on? He goes, well, we got the results from the biopsy we did on your wife's arm, and it's cancerous. And it looks pretty bad. Can you come tomorrow? I said, are you serious? When something that big comes into your life, it's heavier than anything else. After I got off the phone, I, I fell down because of the weight of that message. And I wept. I didn't even know how to tell my wife. How do you tell your wife something like that? I went home and I told my wife and my wife just cried. I told my family, we, that night was the longest night. And let me tell you, I just wanted one thing. I don't care if I had no money. I didn't care if I had no church. I just wanted my wife to get better. The way of that message changed me. It changed my value. It changed the way I think. 
I get a phone call next day from Kaiser. I was about to, we're about to head out to our appointment. And said, Mr. Lee, um, I'm sorry, I actually have a different news. I said, what now? And uh, he, they said, well, we actually mixed up files and it's not. <laughs> I know. I was like, we actually mixed up the file and it's not your wife's that has cancer. And have you ever been angry and happy at the same time? That's what I was. I was like, what? Yes, no. What? No. Yes, please, God. You know, it's like you get this emotion of uh, anger and emotion of joy. It's like mushin and the, and the I, you sound crazy. Like, no words comes out. What? You know, that's what I was doing. It's like, what's going on? You know, but let me, but let me go back to what I was saying about the weight. All right? Because if Christ is truly God, if the weight of that message is true in your life, we will spend our money different. If the weight of Christ, the message of the cross, and the message of the salvation, or salvation message of Jesus Christ, if that is true, you will live different. Amen. You know, we want to experience glory. That's what we always talk about. Oh, I want to experience glory. You know, let me tell you, the way you experience glory is to feel the weight of that message. You walk different, you talk different, you spend different, you think different. Your whole life is different. That's what glory means. Wait. And your life changes. Look how your life changes. Look at verse 2. After him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. You see, when the weight of the Lord comes, it, it's heavy. But, but what happens is you see the beauty of the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, often when, when the writers want to emphasize something of magnitude or something of importance, they would usually double the word. They, you know, that's what you see like in Genesis 14, when they fell into this pit. This pit wasn't just a small pit, it was a huge pit. And that's why when you actually read the Hebrew word, Hebrew original language, it says they fell into pit pit. Because this pit wasn't just a pit. This was a bigger pit pit. It was a, it was a pity pit. It was a huge pit, you know. There was no other word to describe how big and deep and wide this pit was. So they say he fell into pit pit. You understand, right? In 2 Kings, in 25, they found this gold. In the material, this gold wasn't simply a little nugget. This must have been the biggest gold that they've ever seen. That's what, that's what they say. Let me tell you, I found gold, gold. It wasn't just gold. It was goldest of gold of gold. So in Old Testament, and Jesus even used that phrase too. He says what? Truly, truly I say unto you. It's not just one truly. What I'm about to say to you right now is truly, truly. It is of the magnitude of importance. Truly, truly I say unto you. So usually scripture, when they want a magnitude, importance of something, they would double it. But, but nowhere is it found tripling of a word except here. Nowhere is it found in the tripling of the word. You see, God is not just holy. He's not even holy, holy. No. He's holy, holy, holy. 
This is who He is. He is holy, holy, holy. And this word holy, is, it's, it's a word a symbolic of the beauty of God, the righteousness of God. Kadash in Hebrew means the holiness of God. You see, it is who He is. He is holy, holy, holy. And not only that, but it is in present progressive. Meaning that these seraphs, these angels didn't simply come up and say, God, you are holy, holy, holy. And they went off. No. <laughs> it's, in a, it's in such a language and verbiage and grammar that it is it's a, it's a, a present progressive. Meaning they kept saying it over and over and over again. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. They said it day and night because this is who he was. He is holy, holy, holy. And you know what it means to say God is holy? It is to say he is beautiful and he is who he is and I love him for who he is. You know, many of us don't love God simply to love God. Let's say, Christian, you, you know, you got married two years ago to a beautiful wife. Let's say, Christian, let's say you were multimillionaire. And she's smiling. <laughs> let's say you, you won a lottery and suddenly, you know, she comes along and says, Oh, Christian, you know, you are handsome, you are... You are wonderful. Can, you know, I want to marry you. And then they get married. But when, when she finds out that she can't get access to his money. His money is, is tied up in some kind of lawsuit. What does she do? She leaves him. She leaves him. How would he feel? Used. Violated. Angry thing is most of us relate to God that way no blessing no worship but to say that he is holy is to say that we love him for who he is rather blessing comes or not comes whether it falls or doesn't fall whether it falls far or near whether it falls upon our enemy or not he is holy and I'm going to worship him just because he is holy it doesn't say blessing, blessing, blessing. Come, come, come. No, it doesn't say any of that. It just says he is holy, holy, holy. I think Jonathan Edwards says it best. He says this. He says, the power of God is something you can get excited about selfishly. I have a power for God. Jonathan Edwards says, the wisdom of God is something you can actually get excited about selfishly because it totally benefits you. Oh, I got a God who is all wise and can guide me. You can even get excited about the mercy of God selfishly because what? It benefits you now. I can get rid of my guilt. I have a mercy for God. But Jonathan Edwards says, but holiness of God, holiness of God doesn't benefit you at all. It's nothing but a threat. Hmm? But the love to God, to love God because He is holy. 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 It's to love Him. For who he is. For he is my maker. My creator. He is my God. Holiness is always tied to faithfulness. For he is holy. And because he is holy. 
holy, holy. And what these seraphs does is they worship him simply because he is holy, holy, holy. I want to worship God that way. I want to worship God for simply for who he is. For he is holy, holy, holy. And when the glory of the Lord comes into your life, when the glory of the Lord comes and touch your life, you cannot help but to say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He is holy. It's God coming to your life in such a way. Or you just love Him because it's His own rationality. I do I do couples counseling all the time, you know. My young my young my young congregation are getting married and I always ask them this tricky question. And it's always a tricky question. So you can use this on your counseling too, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the guys, I said, Hey, I said Mike is engaged to Jane. I said, Hey Mike, what do you love about Jane? And you know, the quick to answer that question. Because she's sitting right there. <laughs> I love how beautiful she is. I love, one, one, one couple said, I love when we play tennis together. <laughs> I sound like that. <laughs> you know, I was, oh, I really love her because, you know, she's honest. And I really love, and they, they write these, they, they, they spit those out like, like candies. They, I love her because of this, you know. It's a trick question. They don't understand. It's a trick question. So I, so, so I said, well, Mike, what if she stopped being beautiful to you? Well, I don't know. What if she no longer wants to play tennis with you? <laughs> oh, really? I don't know about that one, you know. It's a trick question. And I said, what if she's no longer funny? <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? And you know what? Every guy sit there like, I don't know. <laughs> and then the girl's like, What would you do? Let me tell you something, Mike. Love has to be its own rationale. I just, the right answer should be, I just love her. Write that down, okay? <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> I just love you, honey. Love needs to be its, its own rationality. I love because I just love. I don't love her just because she makes me laugh. I don't love her just because she's beautiful. I love her because it's her. Every man fail on that question. <laughs> and to say God is holy is to say, I love you, God, simply because you're holy. Doesn't matter if I continuously work in my terrible job. It doesn't matter if I continuously live off welfare. It doesn't matter if I am single for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter if I don't have money. It doesn't matter if God doesn't heal me. I still love you, Lord. Because you are holy. 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 To have the glory of the Lord come into your life is to love Him for just to love Him. 
Holy, holy, holy. Oh, God wants to rearrange your furniture. God wants to rearrange your furniture. And the only way that God can rearrange your furniture is if God quakes. And when God quakes, there's a, self, there's a self-quake. God begins to move in your heart. There's this passion and drive and, and, and love in your heart. And that just quakes you. And my last point, I won't go deeper just because we're going to go in prayer. But that quake, it's like a ripple. Have you ever threw a rock in the water? It ripples. It touches everything. And the sound and the wave touches the city. And when God, and when New Philly Church encounters God, the city is going to feel the ripple. When God comes down and you feel the glory of the Lord in your life, in this church, the city is going to feel the ripple. It's not just about telling the city. It's not just verbally. It's it, God has to come in. And the glory of the Lord has to come in this church. And the glory of the weight of the Lord has to come. And we have to encounter God. When we encounter God, we can't help but let the city know there's a ripple. And the quake is going to go from God quaking to self-quake to the world quake. And that's why Isaiah said, send me. That's what he says, send me. He didn't say first he sees God, oh Lord, send me, send me. No, no, he had to feel the quake of the Lord to say, send me. Because when you feel the quake of the Lord, God begins to move and the glory of the Lord comes into your life. Let me tell you the natural response is, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And I, you know, I, want, I have a lot more I want to share, but we're going to go to prayer. Because we want God to come and quake and God to come and, and move. And we want glory of the Lord to come into this house. Into your family. Into your personal life. And let me tell you. You know David. I love David. But in, for a long time he had this hidden sin. He had this hidden sin. That was blocking the door. For God to come in and quake him. Is there hidden sins in your life? doesn't matter if you're a pastor, teacher, leader. What do we need to surrender today so that God can come and quake my life? Rearrange my furniture so that there can be ripple in the city of soul. We're going to go to God in prayer. Can somebody help me with the guitar? And I want to ask you today. Because I want God to move in this church. God is coming to, God is here. And the glory of the Lord is in this room. Will you allow him to come and quake your life? I want us to spend some time just repenting. What are the hidden sins in your life? What are the things in your life that you have not yet given up? It could be money. It could be relationship. So for some, it could be pornography like David. 
thinking for some of us, it's envy. I see envy. You're envy of somebody. And it's hurting you. Jealousy. Hmm. We want God to quake and shatter those things in our life. 